Hey, it's Chris. This is Death Metal Dicks. It's another mini episode interview. And today, man, I am amped up because we've got a fantastic guest. Uh, somebody I'm actually excited to talk to. We've got Aggressor from R Noir, and he has been in some of the greatest Norwegian bands, and he is currently in fronting one of the, in my opinion, greatest thrash bands of all time. So we're excited to talk to you today. He's got a brand new record coming out, and uh, he's going to give you all the information up top where you can buy it, and then we're going to talk with him. So what's going on, Aggressor? Uh, not much. Just a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm very good. Hell yeah. And so that the album comes out this week? Yes, I guess it's um, uh, next this coming uh, Friday. Man, we're looking, I listened to I got the they sent me the copy of it over to get to listen to it and it claps. It is a tremendous album. I think that you guys knocked it out of the park. Oh, thank you. That's very nice to hear. And it's been some years since you put a record out, right? It's been uh, six years. Did you guys take like a hiatus or? No, we uh, we like working this way or uh, at least we end up working this way whether we like it or not. So uh, um, actually we started working on it as we were finishing up the previous album, uh, Out to Die in 2012. Oh, okay. We, we wrote the outro uh, as we were writing material for uh, Out to Die. So it's more or less been in the works for uh, six years. Ah, so it's an actually well-thought-out, calculated album instead of a rushed release. Yes, absolutely. It has to be this way, I think. That's an uh, ideal way to work. You work with the music when you, you feel like it and when it's an urge rather than uh, rushing anything, you know. Man, doing these interviews, I've noticed that a lot when I speak to bands from Norwegian countries or uh, Norse area. That you, I think probably because of the way that your economy is set up and how we are with capitalism, bands over there seem to be able to take their leisure—not leisure, but you know—actually record an album naturally. Whereas over here, everyone gets locked into contracts and has like an X amount of time to put out a release so they can tour off of it. And then your income is based off of when you have something come out to tour off of. So I think what you guys are doing is way better because you seem to be able to put out much better overall albums again and again. Of course, it's great not to be locked in this, uh, where we have to treat it like a job because then, then you just have to rush it from time to time. It's, uh, uh, it's sort of um, a prison, I think, that way. But um, I think nowadays uh, people are aware of the fact that it's uh, quite rare to make a living off the music. So uh, we, we certainly don't, and uh, there's very few bands who do, I think. So at least when you're an underground act like like we are. Right. Yeah, it's the same, man. I do stand-up comedy over here. It's the same thing. I mean, I, I do make money from it, but not enough to make it my whole thing, you know? So I work a day job, but I think everyone else works a day job, and then I do this, and you just have to find other avenues to bring money in while you're working on your main project, you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, exactly. So, man, you were around for the entire incoming of the second wave of black metal, right? Yes, more or less. At least uh, in the very beginning, I was a little bit on the sidelines because I was a little bit too young to be uh, a part of the, you know, the Helvetist or uh, scene and the part of the core of uh, the thing. But I was around uh, from the very early 90s, yes. How old were you when Black Thrash Attack was recorded? Uh, I was, um, this was in 96, so I must have been 21 or 22. Yeah. Man, in my opinion, that is one of the top five Thrash albums. Yeah, really? Yeah, man. That is such a ribbon album. And it was different than everything else coming out in the region at the time, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, definitely. You still look back fondly on that one? Oh yeah, absolutely. This whole the whole uh, we were just in a period where we, we were really getting the band together and uh, uh, we're onto a sound and uh, it, it felt felt good. Yeah, good vibes from from that time. And uh, you played drums on that, right? Yes, I do. On every second song, I play drums. So you guys just switched it all around, huh? Yeah, we did. I remember, playing, uh, I remember playing live, and in the middle of the set, um, we were switching. Me and Napoleon were switching, and I was going to play drums. And while we were switching, we made uh, Blasphemer play this guitar solo. Huh. So <laughs> he had to play play a guitar solo mid-set, which he, of course, hated. Yeah, yeah, put a spotlight on somebody. <laughs> So, uh, when you, okay, so then in 96, when you guys were kind of forming and then coming up with this record, that was, the whole, the whole second wave drama happened in like 92, right? Yeah, 92, 93, yeah. What was the climate like in 1996? Was, uh, was there a large scene available for you to tour around in your region or were venues shy of booking bands uh, that were aggressive in nature because of the controversy oh yes absolutely it was uh, we weren't exactly headhunted by festivals and stuff like that so we had to set up our own gigs and play clubs every once in a while and we never did any proper touring until I think it was 98 we did a European tour and uh, the gigs we they did after was also kind of scattered. We did we didn't do any major festivals in, until well into the two thousands, I think. Is that kind of your main gig for playing live now? Is festivals? Or are you guys going to tour off this new release? We're going to do some touring. We we have a, a tour set up uh, that's going to take place in a couple of weeks. In sort of, uh, we're gonna do a few gigs and then we're gonna take a hiatus and we're gonna do a few gigs in Australia, in Asia, and then at the end of the year we're gonna do a proper run in uh, uh, Europe. Oh hell yeah! No American in your plans? Uh, not as of now, but uh, we really, really want to come back to uh, US and Canada. 
Man, it seems like the move that a lot of people are making now is they get on a huge festival and then put together a tour leading up to it because you get that for sure payday and then you can kind of base the rest of your travel. Yeah, that's true. We're not that tactical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, just got to go at it. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were working on the new album, you said you just basically went over it for the last six years. Um what what was was there like an overall aesthetic you were going for? You, you just let things fall into place naturally, but is there a statement you wanted to make with this new release that says, "Hey, we're still out here thrashing." Uh, we didn't we didn't have a clear idea of how we wanted the album to sound until in 2016 when our drummer, uh, or at least our dr- live drummer, he quit, and uh, we were suddenly a trio again. We'd been a four-piece since right after the previous album. We did uh, quite a lot of gigs together as a four-piece. And then our uh, drummer quit, and we were suddenly a trio. And uh, I guess we wanted to uh, sort of uh, underline the fact that we we were a trio also in the sound of the album. And... uh, we decided to only record one guitar. Yeah. So there are no overdubs on the album at all, uh, except for a standalone part on uh, track three and uh, on the outro. So yeah. All, all you hear is the three of us. I, I like the, uh, yeah, I mean, the sound transitioning from like where you left off with Out to Die into this one. I think that the new one's got a way nastier feel to it. And that's probably why, you know, you just, just strip down to a three piece and it's like straight ahead with that meme thrash, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's raw, you know, it's raw sounding. It's more to the bone. I think that's the move now. I think I think you guys are gonna do great with this one because it seems like, I mean, have you, do you, have you listen to like Midnight from America? Uh, I haven't heard it yet, but I just heard about it a lot, so I guess I need to check it out. Man, they're getting off really well here, and they're just—I mean—they're basically—they're <laughs> basically doing your band, you know, um, stripped the stripped down, straightforward, and you know, uh, thrashing it, and they seem to be doing really well here. So I would hope that. I, li- I like it when there's a band that I feel like is kind of a, a worship act to another band I like, and then the other band can kind of come back off of that and then pop off even harder. No. Were you an over? Did, is that did I get that right? Yes, uh, we we started over in '92. Oh man! So you Before were that, in the good so... version of over. <laughs> yeah. I still like the band. I'm I'm still uh, still good friends of mine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I like them too. But man, the first four releases are, you know, when the shift. I mean, I th- I feel like their sound shifted a lot. I like how they sound now, but the, you know, and they were just straightforward. I would guess you would call it straightforward black metal. It's a great yeah. great records. Yeah. Cool. They were. They were it's pretty cool. I was on the I was on the demo, very first demo and the. I think it was 92 it was yeah okay and so then uh you just went on to form this band all, like out of that and no i started um we started the uh, vet burns under 
you've heard about it. Yeah, Ved brings in the right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's true. We we started that band straight after I quit uh, Ulver. I get you. Yeah, it's still a bit hazy whether I quit or I got thrown out. <laughs> Don't I can't. <laughs> we'll say quit, man. <laughs> and, and then you did uh, Virus too, right? That was you. Yeah, that's true. Punking, punking out over there. And that's why I talk to people, I mean, you know, I think black metal's had a huge resurgence, so a lot of people get it, but to me it always sounded like it It was more of a punk influence than a metal influence. Yeah, you know, the it was always inspired by the first wave uh, of, of black metal in the 80s, you know, and that was, again, Venom. inspired by punk. You know, Venom, Celtic Frost, early Slayer. There's a lot of punk in there. And, uh, of course, the Norwegian black metal thing was something new, but the, the, we have quite clear references to the first wave, of course. I look at that whole era as just marketing mastery, because when you look back at everything that happened, like the people who, who did take it seriously... And uh, went down for it, but then you had like Dark Throne, who were just sending out the promos, and they're making their own. I mean, they basically made an entire mythos and lore for themselves before they ever put any material out, and then did very well just based off of marketing themselves. I mean, they put out Soulside Journey, which is a, a death metal record, and then just started like, from what I understand, mailing packages to record companies saying that oh, this is the most evil and dangerous band in the world, and then they just marketed them like at a time before the internet. I think that was a pretty rad move. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There's a lot of snail mail going around those days. Yeah, we talk about that all the time. How uh, pre-internet, it seems like you could forge some pretty good relationships because if you wanted to access, you found out about this genre of music that's overseas, and then you wanted to get the genre that was adjacent to the person that wanted what you were recording, you just had to physically send each other packages back and forth, and that led to sending merch back and forth, and then that led to even booking shows for each other back and forth. It was the internet of the, the era, I guess. Yeah, I think that metal should get credit for inventing the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, uh, so when... when uh, when we first started coming around, I th did you get any, uh, what's what's a good way to say it? As far as touring internationally, I know that you have before. When, when the black metal drama came overseas, it was, you know, after the fact, and then I think that helped a lot of acts. But a lot of those bands did tour, especially not internationally. Did that help you guys or hurt you guys at all as far as coming to America, Australia, places like that? Well, we didn't get to America until... Uh, actually, our first tour in America was in 2009. Okay. So uh, we, didn't, we didn't even think about playing in America. And, right. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't even know we had an audience there. But uh, as soon as we got there, we, it was evident that we, we sort of had a cult following going on much on the same level as in Europe. It's, it's strange, you know, because it's uh, it's kind of it's not been restricted to any area. Uh, it's it's been growing sort of worldwide simultaneously. We can play in 
Lima and Peru or in Ukraine, <laughs> it will be the same amount of audience coming to our gigs. Yeah, I mean, that's the perks of, uh, I guess the downfall is you don't make money off of records, but then the upside is yeah, I'm sure you make more money off of performances because people can actually get a hold of music now, but of course they're getting a hold of it in unscrupulous ways. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, it, uh, of course that's a down, downside of it, but you can uh, you can still play and play live and sell some merch and stuff like that, so... Yeah, man, I think that, I think this was going to be huge for your guys because I feel like, um, you know, I'm only 33 and just paying attention to the swing of metal right now, it seems to me like anything associated with the second wave of black metal, even though, you know, I'm not trying to pigeonhole you into that, but that seems to be having such a huge resurgence. And I think that also the really stripped down, I think it's that stripped down raw sound that especially Americans are most into right now. I think that's really going to pop off for you guys. I think when the album comes out, uh, you can, you're going to get a lot of steam from over here that you may not have expected, or maybe you did expect it. I mean, you know, you made a good record, so. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we get lucky. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's, it's kind of eternal. This sound is, uh, it's, it's not really linked to any specific period or era. I think it works, whether it's done in the 80s or in the 2000s. So, uh, yeah. We just, we'll just see what happens. But uh, we, have no, uh, we have no high hopes and we have no high, no, I mean, no high expectations. It's just, we just keep doing our thing we, we've always done. Man, it's the only way to live, because uh, if it is fucking awesome, then <laughs> you didn't see it coming, and if it doesn't work out, then, uh, which that's not going to happen, but, you know, with anything, if it doesn't work out, then who cares? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, hell yeah, man, so it comes out on Friday, um, it's Aura Noir, and uh, releases Aura Noir with an E on the end, which uh, we both decided we're not sure, either way, if we're saying it right. <laughs> yeah, that's true, I, I don't know how to say it. Uh... I don't think even the French know how to say it, but you know, <laughs> in the early days, we we think that our name is kind of international. Everybody knows what an aura is. Everybody knows what noir means. Yep. So to us, it's been international from uh, when we started. But however, the French have been pointing out that we've been writing it wrong. We've been spelling it wrongly uh, all this time so actually uh, the right way to spell it is with an E at, at the end man you caved to the French no they came to us and they've been uh, <laughs> upper ass about it uh, man, you should have told the French to fuck off dude. <laughs> yeah. so we thought maybe uh, we, we could uh, you know kill two birds with one stone and then spell our name right and have a self-titled album at the same time you know so smart well i think it's time too because like you said you're now you're down to a three-piece it's your original members right and you guys are heavier than ever so it's a good time i like you know so it seems to me like a self-titled is either going to be your first release or or when you're back to roots you know yeah that's true 
that's that's how we see it as well. Let me ask you something about France, man. And if this is annoying and you get asked too much, don't feel afraid to tell me that you don't want to talk about it. But we we did like basically what got us over and made our podcast big is that we did the uh, we we did three episodes on basically the second wave of black metal. And you know, Varg lives in France now. Yeah. Do you watch those Thulean perspective videos at all? Oh no, that's not my thing. <laughs> Have you ever watched one? No. Oh I man, dude, <laughs> it's the—I mean, it's the most absurd. <laughs> I mean, so you know, he just like lives uh, on a farm in France, yeah. and then he just YouTube's himself living his day-to-day life. And I mean, he's out doing karate. Very often, you can often find him in, in fatigues, military uniform, doing karate in front of the camera. Yeah. He's got some, uh, he's got some views, man. He's got some ideas. <laughs> but yeah, man, he, I, I think yeah. he's, I think he's a fucking dork, uh, present day. You know, I, I'm sure you knew him personally, maybe. No, uh, no, never actually. I just met him briefly once at the held at the shop in '91, but uh, no, uh, I don't know him. But he's, he's the kind of guy he's, he's, he's living for this kind of he's living for the future he's not living in the now he's just living for some kind of apocalyptic future yeah yeah man that's what he thinks he thinks it's all going to shake out and I mean dude I'm not I, we don't talk about politics or get into any of that really it, you know I, I honestly don't know a ton about his current ideology but I do know well, for one, he's making a ton of cash, which is cool. You know, he definitely is doing his own thing. He is funny from time to time, but I'm just like his, if, you know, he said he haven't watched his videos. He does some real, real goofy shit that is, I think, fun to laugh at. If you just peruse through it every once in a while. Because just imagine Varg, like, doing karate. <laughs> or he, does, he, like, gets, like, proper Viking weaponry and will illustrate how he's been training to use spears on camera for YouTube. (laughs) But he knows how to generate a buzz because I I read recently, and again, man, you can definitely tell me to stop because we're just talking about Varg right now, which has nothing to do with you at all. We just, you know, it's a podcast, so we just chat. But he, uh, I read, I read an article that he responded to where he was supposedly offered $450,000 to do Burzum shows, two shows. And uh, he said this, you know, it's not like somebody printed where he turned the contract down. He said that he was offered that. And then, um, like, this website, Metal Sucks, which is the absolute worst, it's like Days of Our Lives, fucking toilet journalism they they were like well we don't believe it at all but i believe it because his uh we do a thing called patreon and he does as well where it's you know basically you offer a free product like he does youtube videos and we do podcasts it's free media but if you like the the media then you can subscribe to support it and then that's how somebody that makes free media makes money so, like, his YouTube channel is huge. He doesn't do any advertisers. He just Patreons. And I looked at his, and he has got, like, 150,000 donors, and his lowest tier is $1. So he's at least making $150,000 a month off of that. 
Wow. Yeah, it's insane. But I think, I mean, it's like, a, I think the deal is it's not metal people at all. I think he attracts, like, a whole bunch of, uh, like, European heritage folks that are into, like, prepping, you know what I mean? But he's he did a video about turning it down, and, and his response to it I thought was hilarious because he's like, I wouldn't want to do that. I only do my own thing. I definitely don't want to get with five metal dorks and work with them for two weeks learning my songs. <laughs> yeah. Well, him, uh, like we say in Norway, han om det, him about that. I'm just uh, leave it at that, I guess. Yeah, fair enough, dude. Well, hey, man, maybe start a YouTube channel. I mean, you got a lot of stories. You could uh, definitely put them out there for the world. Yeah, I'm too lazy for that. <laughs> yeah, man, being lazy rules. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aggressor, man, it has been great to talk to you. We're amped about the album and where, so everyone listening right now, I mean, I, I always tell you the people we talk to buy their album. I emphatically mean this more than anything. I have heard the entire album. I have the release, and I'm 1,000% going to purchase the vinyl. Where can we purchase the vinyl when it comes out this week? Uh, ooh, that's a tough question. Uh, if you don't know, no problem. I can. I will post it in the episode link. So very cool. Do that. Uh, make people buy it uh, somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'll post the link up, and then man, make sure you get the release. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be probably the top record of 2018. Definitely in the top ten. Very cool. That's cool to hear. Well, great to talk to you, man. Good to meet you. And, uh, man, I hope this record really pops off. And hopefully you guys can make it over to America, man. I'll definitely come out. Yes, we will. That's uh, I can almost guarantee it. Man, it's going to be great. So we'll look forward to that. And then uh, maybe we can meet in the flesh. If not, uh, we'll have the link for their brand new album coming out uh, this Friday. So look, look for that. Buy the link. Thanks for listening to the interview. Thanks again for talking to us, Aggressor. It's been great. Very cool. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Uh, we'll talk to you later, man. See ya. All right. See ya. Bye-bye. Break free from the guns. That's the magic goal. Hovering no 